You are listening to Seize the Day with Natalie Miller-Snell. During these podcasts, we'll be exploring all of the different opportunities that we get to seize the day on a daily basis and what tools and what changes we can make in order to grab those goals. Are you ready to make change? Hello, 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 podcast lovers. How are you all? It's Thursday, I'm Natalie and you are listening to Caesar Day. Now I have an incredible show lined up for you because I have an absolutely amazing woman on. Let me me read this to you. She is co-founder of Project Rocket, Australia's youth-driven movement against bullying, hate and prejudice. Founded in 2006, Project Rocket has been empowering school students to stand up to bullying, hate and prejudice instead of standing by watching. I love that. Their workshops explore themes of inclusion, respectful relationships, social leadership, diversity, ethics, values and empathy. Absolutely amazing. And she's got so many awards too. Please put your hands together for the incredible Rosie Thomas. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Natalie. Oh, you're very welcome. Now, we've been trying to organise this, as Rosie pointed out to me, for for months now. And thanks to KJ, actually, because she linked us up. But it's since about January, did you say? I can't believe that. Yeah. I mean, do you know how hard it is to get on Natalie's podcast? It's <laughs> so hard. No. <laughs> no, but we do have this, like, really, really pesky um, Australia-UK time difference going on. And it's like... 6am when you are, you're nailing it. You're like bringing your words together really perfectly. You've had like 10 coffees, you're ready to go. But we've got it. And and on that point, so you're based over in Australia, in Melbourne, and it's in the afternoon for you. Uh, what's it? Is it sunshine now? You're, no, you're going into the winter season, are you? Actually, the weather's just turned to crap. It's been beautiful <laughs> the last few days, but um, it's currently like 12 degrees and sideways rain outside. So it feels like nighttime here currently, but it's actually 3 p.m. Oh, I love it. I've, I went to Melbourne, I think it was back in 2002, 2003. So a long time ago, but it's lovely. Absolutely loved it. And Sydney too. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful place. Lovely people. Very cool, chilled out. Right? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Right, okay, so that was an incredible, we're just going through that and I picked that straight off your website uh, or rather Project Rocket's uh, website. Absolutely fabulous work you're doing and what this show is all about is celebrating incredible people and women who are doing wonderful things and making a change in the world. And I've got young children, so this actually for me is a really wonderful space that you're working within and obviously you're paving the way and you're quite a trailblazer in that sense. So for anyone listening who's not familiar with your work or with you, can you talk us a little bit through how and why you started Project Rocket Um, and all of that good stuff that I've just mentioned, all of the workshops, what it's all about, what it means to you and why you're doing it? Yeah, for sure. I think um, talking about Project Rocket is one of, one of my most passionate um, pastimes. So yeah, we'd love to tell you a little bit about the work that we do. So as you said today, Project Rocket is Australia's youth-driven movement against bullying, hate and prejudice. And, and basically we send really, really passionate, diverse, highly trained young people into schools all over Australia to basically um, go into schools and have a real talk, have the conversations that we didn't get to have when we were at school and really like empower young people to like look within work out who they are, who they want to be, the world they want to create, give, you know, help each other foster empathy for one another, and then basically give them the autonomy and the agency to create that world. Um, so that's what we do today. We've reached hundreds of thousands of young people all over the country, and we do, we do all sorts of things. But I guess, um, yeah, I guess part of the story is that we haven't always been like this. Um, Project Rocket was originally started by my sister and I, actually, and I'm going to reveal my age here, but 
Um, it was 14 years ago when we both just finished high school. Um, and it, it's really interesting, I think, because um, a lot of people ask me, you've dedicated the last 14 years of your life um, to running an anti-bullying organisation, basically. Um, were you really horrifically bullied when you're at school? Is, is there a singular traumatic experience that you can identify? And actually, often my answer really surprises people because when I was at school, I 100% know what it's like to be bullied. I think it's one of the most, sadly, one of the most common human experiences um, and it's absolutely soul destroying. Um, I absolutely have those memories. And if I'm honest, I also have the memories where I was part of the problem at school, 100%. Um, regretfully, you know, laughing when someone was upset or even joining in, just really trying to find my place at school. And actually, though, the really significant um, reason why I guess my sister and I wanted to start um, Project Rocket was really because when we were at school, we identified as one of the majority of people in a bullying situation. And that's like, what, I guess, what, what experts today call the bystander. But back then, over 14 years ago, when there were no anti-bullying programs in schools, there were no anti-bullying policies, they weren't mandatory in schools, we just felt like someone should really do something about this issue and no one was doing anything about it in a way that actually reached young people or even valued young people's opinions or even positioned them as people that can create change in the world. And so after finishing high school, we were kind of a little bit dissatisfied by I don't know how anticlimactic it was. Like, I kind of thought when I was at school, when I finished high school, that would be my opportunity to like unleash myself on the world and build something and seize the day, if you like. But it really wasn't. It was more like, um, yeah, like, wow, is this it? We, Luce and I were brought up, I think one of the common um, features that we share because we're so unbelievably different. I'm extroverted, she's introverted. Um, you know, I'm completely bratty and wild and out there and she's so deeply <laughs> imaginative and inquisitive. And, um, but what the, the thing we share, I think, in common fundamentally is our mum. Our mum is like oh, this staunch, passionate, incredible woman who, I guess, growing up, um, single mum, growing up, you know, we used to come home from school. I have the youngest memories of coming home from school and saying to mum, oh, I saw something really horrible at school today. And her response was always the same. It was always, well, what are you going to do about it, basically? And so fast forward all those years into the end of high school, we're sitting around, seeing the way bullying was destroying the lives of our peers, seeing that no one was doing anything about it. And so essentially we thought, well, maybe we could be those people to do something about it. And so essentially the idea, Project Rocket, was formed. So that's sort of our, um, yeah, the, the birth of Project Rocket story, if you like. Do you know, amazing, absolutely fantastic. And, and what I've written down here, a, a couple of things. First off, your age, because I did want to ask that, actually. I did, I think I'd assumed, or perhaps I must have read it somewhere on your website, maybe, that it w was straight from school and, and that was the experience. But that's absolutely phenomenal. And I suppose trying to get to the point where you wanted to be, I understand that it does take time and, you know, probably was a bit frustrating. Why am I not changing the world already? Why, you know, in terms of a footprint. But it's still amazing to actually have that get up and go. And maybe we'll come back and we'll circle back to that in terms of how and why or how you get the drive to do it. Because a lot of listeners on this show perhaps lack a bit of confidence or a little bit of, oh, I don't know if I should do that. I may not be good enough. And I think this all goes back to the bullying at school, perhaps as well. If you are a bit shy or if you do get picked on. And even within the the adult world, shall we say, in an online forum for sure, but it just generally out there, the bullying still continues. So I suspect it's rooted within us as a 
young adult or certainly as we're exploring and developing and what you're doing can potentially change the whole dynamic of what it looks like as an older generation and certainly when my children are growing up of what those of what those young people are going to look like and what they're going to do for the world I constantly keep saying that I think the younger generation coming through excuse me will change the world because I think they've got the opportunity to do that and hopefully learn from us as well but learn from what you're doing which is amazing now so the age groups that you're dealing with is it all within the kind of teen period or do do you go beyond that spectrum or how how do you like to work is it targeting a, a particular group yeah for sure so I guess like the next step of that story um, to, to get to answering your question would say that um, like that is a little bit about the how and the why. So first of all, we came up with a new vision basically for what we wanted to see at school. We basically, this has been our steering enduring um, vision um, ever since conception. And it is basically that at Project Rocket, whether it's my sister and I or our young team or all of the you know hundreds of thousands of young people that are part of the movement are working because we believe in a world where kindness and respect thrive over bullying, hate and prejudice, and all young people are free to realise their potential. I know now that we're like bullying experts that, you know, I could reel off so many statistics to you about how bullying, um, you know, causes um, homelessness and drug and alcohol abuse and criminalisation and all sorts of statistics. But what we knew then, which still feels so relevant today, is what we saw, what we felt, what we experienced when we were, when we were at school. And that was that bullying robs young people of their potential. Like at the very basic you see that when you mistreat someone when you judge them when you label them when you isolate them when you treat them differently and you ignore them you see the way that people you know stop putting their hand up in class they hide who they are they become a shell of that incredible awesome human they were when they started school on the level playing field with everybody else because we're all human we see that happen and we see that their potential is squashed and their their light is extinguished and so as simple as it is, we, our goal, my goal, I guess, my life's goal is to really like help young people unlock their potential. And for us, um, that's our vision in terms of how we do it. We work with um, students as, as young as, I guess, eight years old. So it's grade three here in Australia, all the way up to year 12. So that's like 18 years old um, in Australia. So the end of school. Um, our, our sweet spot, I'd say, would be like 10 to 15. Um, and basically, our approach is really different. We, we, when people go like, yeah, but how did you start? Project Rocket. So I should say, like, essentially, we run interactive workshops in schools. They're run by young people for young people. That's in in a, in in a nutshell what we do. But basically, how we created it was we came up with an idea based on all the stuff that didn't work when we were at school. So we were, as young people, sick and tired of having to sit down on our bums and be lectured at or preached at or judged by some old person that didn't understand what it was like to actually be a young person and didn't have any sort of respect or relevance with us whatsoever. And so we just completely disengaged. Or you'd have people come in and just try and scare the crap out of you as a way of motivating you to do something. And yeah. that doesn't work. You know, we were told what to do. You can't expect um, young people to stand up if they don't know what they stand for. So you can't just go into school and say, bullying's wrong, you should be empathetic. And then all of a sudden, young people magically have emotional connections to one another. No, you've got to do the hard work and you've got to be creative about it. So we decided that we'd take a really show-not-tell approach, that rather than standing up the front of the room and ever saying a message, we'd be so much more clever than that, that we'd come up with a game, a social experiment, a challenge, or a real-life story to ensure that we kind of trick people into learning, if you like, because these are really stigmatised issues that 
often at first young people just don't want to talk about because they've had such boring negative experiences in the past. So yeah, that, that was our whole point that instead we'd be really positive. We'd ask questions of young people and we'd actually listen to their answers. We wouldn't come up with the strategies. We'd help young people to come up with the strategies so that they're actually credible and safe and cool and so that they'd actually use them. And so that, that's how we kind of set about them. You know, when, when you say like, um, wow, it's like to have the confidence to start an organization. Um, no, that's, that's not me back then, actually. I, mm. I, yes, part of me, I think I have a lot of outward confidence. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm passionate, um, I'm, I'm extroverted and I'm outgoing, but that doesn't mean that I'm always confident. And I think as a young person, had I ever thought that what we were creating, Luce and I, when we were just, we, no one even knew what we were doing. There was no social change landscape back then. I didn't, I'd never heard the word social entrepreneur. I'd never heard the term social enterprise. We literally just saw a problem that needed fixing and started like trying stuff. We weren't expecting it to take off. We weren't planning to become a, a movement or a business or a social change vehicle. We were just giving it a crack. It was one foot in front of the other. And I think over time, like much to our shock too, like I, I remember I'm actually, you're really taking me back there now because um, I haven't presented in schools for so long because I'm an old person now. I was going um, <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask you that. You must be the old one now. So you need the young injection to write. <laughs> but, but what's so cool is that um, when we first started out, Luce and I, I mean, now we're the co-CEOs or whatever um, you want to call us. But back then we were, we, we were Project Rocket. We were the presenters. We were the guinea pigs. So well, our model, our model is actually quite weird. That show not tell approach has had a lot of trial and error. You know, we'll have students up the front um, miming, um, a, a bizarre scenario like acting out Beyonce riding a camel in the desert and a whole bunch of students up roaring with laughter and then we'll reveal that actually that's a metaphor for the way information spreads online and then give everyone an opportunity to really safely unpack what that looks like and they remember it because it's so memorable to see their peers in that light well to get to that approach to land on something like that it's like a pinball machine of um, trial and error and working things out and so there were moments though um, Natalie where I had, I had shivers. I was like a few years older than the students that I was um, working with in a room in those early years, having, you know, unpacking things like slut shaming and misogyny, um, having the most powerful conversations with young people um, and seeing people in the room see their peers almost for the first time. And, you know, walking into the room at the beginning as individuals and walking out as a, co as a united cohort and thinking to myself, holy shit, like this works, this model works. And, and thinking, wow, like this, we started this because we, we needed this when we were at school. So yeah, I guess over time, we, we didn't know that it was going to be a success, but over time, bit by bit, we started collecting young people along the way. And before we realized it, it wasn't just a sister duo. It was a, you know, a movement, basically. It was instigated by a workshop that's beginning to be led by hungry students who are passionate to keep talking about this stuff and wanting to propel it forward. So in a way, we kind of had to keep at it. Oh, do you know the amount of warmth that I feel inside as well not least because what you're doing is just it's incredible full stop absolutely amazing but I can see it with my sons and that as a mother knowing there's an opportunity and there are folk out there or there's that passion to make sure that young people I you know have the 
have the resource and information that they can tap into that's really positive, really helpful, because it is a minefield. They're going on their iPads now and Jamie's, he's just turned nine. So he wants access to X, Y and Z. And we're obviously restricting a, a lot at the moment. But ultimately, in a couple of years, he's going to go to senior school and that's going to change. And he's going to experience that level of bullying. Your video that I just watched before we started to speak you were talking about um, you stood up on stage and you were the how you address the audience to begin with so today I'm wearing my Steve Madden shoes and I've got this skirt on and I've got this you talked about the physicality of what you look like and what you addressed in because that's how people first impressions interpret each other and it's really clever and really smart and that's what he's going to be going into and I remember that from school as well exactly what you said so on that, going back, you've now got younger folk that work with you, which is so relevant because I did chuckle when I wrote down here, as you get older, <laughs> because you want that relevance, I suppose. You still need to, you don't want to be preaching to somebody who might look at you at, at first, and I'm sure they won't because obviously you've established yourself now, but yeah, do you really know what you're doing because you're a bit older? You know, it's got to be relevant, which is fabulous. Um, and then to touch on, your energy that comes off of you when you're talking about this is absolutely second to none. And I think for, for listeners and one of the things I constantly talk about in the show as well is you've got to do something that you want to do. And to your point, even at the beginning, you didn't realise quite how large this might get or what you would do in terms of a movement. But you did something that you were passionate about. And that's what matters because your energy's in it then and then you want it to move forward. Uh, fabulous. Absolutely fantastic. Speak to sort of um, first point, um, the, the whole point behind Project Rocket, I think Project Rocket's point of difference is that it's, it's Australia's youth-driven movement against bullying, hate and prejudice. You know, there are, there are teach, there, there's, there's teachers doing this stuff, there's governments, there's charities, and that is all really important. I definitely don't want to undermine that. I think this issue is so enormous. It's age-old and it's not going away. It's becoming more complicated that we need so many different approaches targeting this issue. But our approach is youth designed. Everything at Project Rocket, whether it be our face-to-face -face workshops, through to our campaigns, through to we've, we've um, developed Australia's first um, online curriculums designed by young people for young people, through to Project Rocket TV, which is um, you know, designed by young people for young people, starring young people. The whole point is that it's youth driven, right? That we don't just consult young people, we actually give them the tools, we listen to what they need and we help them create the tools that they need. And so, yeah, that does mean that um, we, like the Project Rocket team, I'm just gonna take a stab and say it's the best team in the world. Just sorry <laughs> people had the best team. But yeah, just like, it's such a, um, a group of people that, you know, a bunch of misfits in many ways. We all find each other, we come because we, we believe in this world where kindness and respect can prevail. And often the people that work at Project Rocket are there because they've had experiences where they've been faced with bullying, hate and prejudice, you know, to really serve young people across Australia in all the different pockets and remote and regional regions, we need to be representative. So Project Rocket is a really diverse team. We're all different to one another. And so with that is this powerful opportunity for a student to be sitting there. You know, if you're in a regional country town in Australia, and you see someone in front of you that is, is gay. And it might be the first gay person that you feel like you've ever met in your tiny regional town. And they, just for that moment, um, role model to the rest of the people in the room who have, who have their respect, that, um, that it's okay to be that and that there's nothing wrong with who you are. And in actual fact, your diversity is your strength. So mm -hmm. bullying for us is just a foot in the door. Bullying is, is what we tell teachers so they book the workshops. But 
you know, Project Rocket is about, um, yeah, strength and diversity. It's about inclusion. It's about respectful relationships, values, ethics, um, you know, helping young people give them the tools to create their own version of creating a Project Rocket or what, what, what change do they want to see in the world? So it's so much more than that. And I love what you were saying earlier that, you know, young people will change the world. You know, my job's so awesome because I get to see every day young people already are changing the world. We don't need to wait for them. They're, they're ready to go. But so often it, it's us giving the messages to young people that they can't, that they have limits and that, um, you know, they, they, they're victims or they're labelled in some way and that they need our help. So it's amazing what we do, whether it's a young person or anyone. It's amazing how people can contribute to the world when you actually believe in them and give them the tools to do so and the language as well you know what <laughs> I was my sons were watching a, a movie yesterday a film I'd not seen the whole thing the, you know you're often busy in and out of the room so I never I only get pockets of film so I never really understand the full context of what's going on but the clip I saw and it's so relevant to what you just said um it was Peabody Sherman uh oh, do, oh Peabody uh, a, a dog is basically the dad of this son who goes to school and it's a wonderful dynamic it's very cute but the boy is up in the air and he's flying. He's got this little contraption and it ends up flying in the in the in the air with a, another girl. And the dog, who's the dad, calls up and says, "What are you What are you doing, Sherman? You?" He, and he's like, "Oh, I'm flying. I'm flying. Look at me." And he says to him, "But you can't fly." And then he's like, "Oh, can I?" And then literally, he comes straight down. <laughs> yeah unbelievable but the message just slapped me in the face and I was kind of that is incredible because if that's what you're showing to young folk as well in terms of language and how that affects us anybody is capable of absolutely anything and there's some great wonderful literature out there and even just listening to your your good self and other people who advocate that kind of sense that it's practice it's resilience it's getting up it's moving forward it's believing standing for what you believe in kindness is the most important thing. We're all human. We've all got those core kind of, we just want to be respected and loved. And it's about, we're all the same really at the end of the day. We might just look slightly differently. We might speak in a different accent or whatever, but you know, we're all ultimately the same. Absolutely amazing. So uh, how do you, for your younger um, team that's involved with you in the youth movement and yourself as well, how do you keep up a level of self-care or advocate that in terms of you know, it's a, you've got to have a lot of energy doing what you're doing, keeping amped, keeping focused, and also encouraging the young folk to do the same, look after themselves. Do they sometimes come with you with any challenges or troubles? Or how do you advocate making sure that they look after themselves to keep positive and moving forward? Yeah, I think that's a really, really great question. I think it's something that um, on my personal journey um, as a change maker, if you like, um, yeah, it's something that um, I've ebbed and flowed with what's right for me and um, how I can actually sustain what I'm doing. And, you know, when you've been working on something for 14 years, it's really difficult to separate yourself from it. You know, in so many ways, like my identity is wrapped up in Project Rocket. And so, like, yeah, as I said before, like having those conversations in school um, as a presenter and not a young person, but learning so much, I feel like I've learned more in my years as a presenter than I did in my 12 years at school. Um, I feel like Project Rock has raised me in so many ways. But with that can sometimes be really difficult to separate yourself from that. And mm. I look at my my team now, for example, you know, with COVID times, we've had to like mega pivot what we're doing. Schools are closed, essentially. We still need to reach young people. And also we need to stay afloat. We're a business. We need to continue to, um, part, of our, part of our social impact is actually employing young people. So incubating young people, turning them into amazing leaders, building their capacity so that they can go into schools and do the things that they do. 
So now even like we're all in this time of like hyper intensity, there's anxiety, there's fear. We're worried about our loved ones. We're worried about our, our jobs. We're worried about what the world's going to look like in six months, you know, let alone two years. And so, um, yeah, I think right now, um, I know there was a moment when as the leaders of the organization, we really had to um, make a very, um, yeah, intentional effort to change the pace. Because when you have a bunch of young people um, or a bunch of people, I should say, um, that are just really committed to the vision and the purpose of what you're trying to do. And everybody cares so much. We often say like, God damn it, excuse my language if, if that's offensive, but like, <laughs> I wish I didn't care so much. Like, like, oh, it hurts to care so much, you know? And of course, we, not, none of us would never wish that really. But when you care so much about what you're doing, it can be really hard to leave it at the end of the day. Also want to acknowledge that when you ask somebody with, that's visibly diverse, right, and you're going into schools and you're talking about these issues, then sometimes it's not safe for you. And I think the big um, realisation for Project Rocket as we've expanded over the years is that um, we, we, we're a part of the world. And so it's sometimes Project Rocket feels like a little bit of a utopia. We're by no means perfect, but working within Project Rocket can sometimes... Um, give you the false impression that the world is a bit different. But going out to schools and experiencing racism, trying to do your job, it's all about tackling racism, is really hard. And so, yeah, I think for us, like, it's very much um, having those boundaries. Actually, as a team, we don't work around the clock. Um, we, we absolutely could, and I'll be honest with you, some of us do a little bit, but the culture is absolutely not one of working around the clock. We also um, have introduced things like mental health days, which are extra leave, basically, at Project Rocket, Really also acknowledging that as a team that is, um, you know, particularly diverse and, and some people in the, in the organisation have to do more labour than others just because of their identity, which means that it can be very emotionally exhausting to do the work that we do, means that you need extra time off. So really trying to create that culture. We don't come into it. We do check-ins every day and we don't, if you're having a shit time, you actually say you are. You say, you don't, net, you know, we don't disclose without um, seeking consent from other people. We don't just drop our stuff everywhere. But absolutely, we have a culture at Project Rocket that's like, you know what, I'm really struggling today. My anxiety is really off the charts. And yeah, and then the team's how can we support you? You know, oh, look, it's going to be a headphones in day for me or whatever it might be. So, yeah, I think like it's really around like um, trying to lead by example, being vulnerable as leaders as well, like really letting people in on where we're at and sitting in the mud if we need to. Um, but also remembering at the end of the day, we might feel like we bleed Project Rocket, but it is just a job, you know, like we, we're all embodying the guiding principles and the values of Project Rocket in our day-to-day -day lives. And that's enough, Like we're, we're doing that job without even working at Project Rocket. So I think it's just reminding the team of that. Yeah, trying to, trying to temper their expectations a little bit about the change that they can create in the world. <laughs> and, and unplug in sometimes as well. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Cause, so uh, I think when you're passionate about anything or you want to make change or you want to influence, you do kind of inject yourself 150% sometimes and you have to unplug. I mean, I've got a, a little project that I'm working on at the moment. I'm so desperate, not desperate, I, I want so badly for it to be done and get it out and do it that you overcommit sometimes or you do too much and therefore you become fatigued you can't see straight you can't complete it then you start to get frustrated why am I not seeing this right how why am I not being creative so it is it, it is the balance about pulling away no I love that now say um Natalie um, one of the challenges that I think I face and I'm, I'm trying to just lead by example and be more vocal about it but um I actually have a chronic illness which means that um I have a rare disease called Castleman disease it's very very rare and basically the way that manifests in me, I'll have it for the rest of my life, it's a chronic condition, is basically exhaustion and fatigue. 
And so as somebody who has, is regularly described as a pocket rocket, um, you know, people don't realise that I, I will give my everything to a room of, or when I'm interacting with people. Um, you know, I want to be able to listen. I want to be able to leave people better when I leave them. Um, but with that comes a great amount of energy. And I think like for me as well, over the years, it's been, you know, for the first 10 years of having this disease, I don't think I'd even really Googled it. That's how driven and in denial I, I was really about even having this thing. And it was until I started to need treatment. And now for the last five years, I've been having a treatment every three months that basically fixes my immune system up and also gives me the energy that I need to be able to function basically. Um, but yeah, it got to a point where I, I really realized like, wow, I'm just, I'm not functioning. And I felt, I realized that I was so anxious. I was so down in the dumps. Literally the way that this manifests is if I don't have oxygen pumping through my body, I can't remember words. I can't retrieve words to say in a sentence. So how on earth can I feel like I'm having, making a difference if I don't actually acknowledge it? So I think like recognizing my limitations as well has been a huge lesson for me. And, and as a result, it means that I can manage myself and sharing that with people as well to say, it doesn't make me weak. It's who I am. It's a part of who I am. And it actually makes me strong that I have this disease and I live with it. Um, so being able to share that, I think, with people gives them permission to recognize and, and accept their limitations as well. Because ultimately, I guess we are all humans and we all have limitations. Uh, it's so true. And I bet it gives, as you say, uh, folk more confidence to come out and say, do you know what, actually, I struggle with this as well. And I might need X, Y and Z now and again and or, you know, to take time off here or to recover or I can put everything into this, but then I'm going to need a bit of time off or whatever. No, that's really, bless you. That's really, really, really important because even just on a, a, a daily episode, like I was saying, if you focus too much or put too much in, you can't see the wood for the trees. So if you've got an added ailment that would potentially influence that, it's really important to recognise it, do what you need to do, but then give yourself some time. Ah, I love that. Now, you touched on PRTV earlier. Now, I must say, at first I thought, is that some kind of recording device? I don't know what that is. <laughs> it makes it... So, what, so what is that? I had a look at some of the, some of the videos online. It's really the kind of bite-sized pieces of information. The one I looked at was to do with, the, you know, the, the importance of words and why you should be kind, particularly in social media. And then linking onto that, as you mentioned as well, we are in a very strange world at the moment with COVID, you know, ravishing, the ravishing or raging across the planet. Ravishing does not sound, well, it sounds too nice. Yeah, that's not that. exactly <laughs> <what I do>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, hang on, it's not even seven yet. So okay, I'm going to forgive myself. <laughs> uh, it, so it's a different world for you in terms of how you're operating as well. And I imagine you're online anyway, but it's probably a lot more online. So there's the need to make sure or manage or help folk who are talking a lot more electronically. The written word comes across so much harsher than the, the spoken one because there might be capital letters. There could be a, you know, how we read the inflection on a voice so differently in text. So how are you dealing with all of that? Sorry, so all of that at the moment. Yeah. So look, I think I'm like a, an important part in our journey. And I think in any, any social um, movement's journey is, is digital. So, you know, we realised probably like eight or nine years in that like Australia was this enormous, vast country and we literally couldn't get to everybody. And we believe that no matter where you live, you should be able to access cool and evidence-based, but youth-designed education. So, yeah, we set about creating all these digital tools. And I mentioned before that we created, the first thing we created was Project Rocket Online. Um, so that's like, yeah, basically we've um, custom-built a digital platform that houses these really immersive and multimedia-rich and just creative workshops for young people on the one end and on the back end is um 
yeah, this, this um, portal for educators that has real-time data reporting so they can find out exactly what's going on in their year levels, um, on a group level, as well as like teacher resources and that sort of thing. But then the next spin-off from there was um, is our partnership with Google and YouTube. And basically, yeah, it's Project Rocket TV. So it's, as I said before, it answers the tough questions from students that you don't get to talk about at school. Questions if you, you wouldn't ask your parents because you'd be too embarrassed. If you asked your teacher, they'd give you a really daggy answer or they might even feel too compromised to answer it. Questions like, what do I do if someone sends me a nude, like a, a, a sexual uh, image? Yeah. Um, as well as that, if they Googled it, they might get a really dodgy answer that might not be helpful. So we set about um, working with young people to create, like uh, if you watch an episode, you'll see that like in classic Project Rocket fashion, it's all about taking the piss out of things and having a big laugh along the way, but also just, you know, having really kind of real talk, um, you know, shame-free sort of strategies for dealing with really tricky situations as well as tackling things like, yeah, mental health, um, different communication styles. Um, yeah, all sorts of different issues that we young people reported back to us that, yeah, that just weren't being discussed and they really wanted the answers to. So we've got two seasons at the moment. You can find it on our website or on our YouTube channel, but it's totally free and, yeah, just basically designed by young people, for young people, starring young people, which is a way to answer questions from young people, I think. <laughs> Brilliant. It is so, so, so true. And to your point, there's so much that they can stumble across online, which I, I was horrified a year or so ago, I think. I was looking for a image. I wanted an abstract image, actually. I can't remember the exact detail of it. But anyway, I put sex into the SEX. I put that into Google, um, hit search in Safari on my phone. And oh, my life, the graphic hardcore porn that came up horrified me, but not just... It, it was like bestiality as well. I mean, I was shocked, but what upset me the most was there was child abuse on there. And it th- it just blew my mind. So I sent, I did a video on it and I you know, wrote to our local MP loads and loads. That and is loads. horrific. Honestly, oh, it just, it's something you don't ever forget when that kind of thing happens. So, I, but but they, I believe, and I'm not, I'd like to think it was part, you know, I influenced there along the way, but I'm not sure. I think there was a bigger thing that was going on. They have introduced much stricter restrictions, which is fantastic. So you don't see as much. But to your point, so if you've got this young person who's shy, who's not necessarily going to want to talk to, you know, an older, a sitter or the parent, a teacher or somebody more senior, they'll go online and they can be exposed to all sorts. And then mentally that's going to fry their young minds. So totally. And even, um, even like that's, that's the really pointy end that you you've outlined and basically, yeah, that, that absolutely exists. And that's what we want to avoid. We do want young people to be able to ask these questions without um, their safety, basically at risk, but also even things like take that example I said before, like what happens if your nude is leaked? So let's say our, our whole viewpoint at Project Rocket is that the blame shouldn't be on the person that sent the naked photo in the first place, that they, there was an implicit trust there. The blame should be on the person that shared it. But if you're a person and you're searching um, online, you're like, what do I do? What do I do? You're going to basically, from what you find online, the chances are you're going to feel completely and utterly shamed. You're going to feel like um, you're dirty, you're horrible, your life is ruined. Um, now, that's not conducive to any sport. We, we, instead, we look at things like you know, mitigating that situation by making someone realise that they're not dirty or shameful inherently. What they've done was a bit risky. And they're not to blame for that, but here's what you can do now to manage that situation. Like really practical steps. Some of them are really technical steps. Like 
um, using the technological features of reporting or um, whatever that might be. But a lot of them are social too. And that's the stuff that Project Rocket really tackles. Yes, we talk about the technological ways in which you can be safe online or stand up online. But most of all, it's the social ways. It's really the ways in which we can... Um, you know, encourage young people to use their power for good online, how they can mobilise each other as a group um, to influence a situation for the better, how they can use technology to reach out to one another. It's really the social stuff because these are social issues playing out in the technological space. And I think that's probably the most important thing for parents to take away from any of this stuff. If, when we blame technology, as humans, we remove ourselves from responsibility. Yeah. And that's, that's crap because... Because when we, when we, you know, when we see an issue like trolling, what we're actually seeing there is powerlessness. When we see an issue like cyberbullying, what we're really seeing is apathy. These are age-old issues that are playing out online. And so we need to take ownership over them and start breaking them down and looking at them as, as social issues and not, yeah, the, not issues created by social media platforms because they're humans. It's a reflection of us. Yeah, it's That's a development. Right. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, you're quite right, though. It's just a development of when you and I were younger, you did we didn't have this it wasn't you know it wasn't in the public domain and sharing images and whatever oh, crikey I wouldn't have even conceived that that was possible so it's just developed from being a one-to-one -one conversation or a telephone conversation to this much bigger thing and particularly with the images I mean that's uh, well yeah that, that's wild and kind of fries my mind but you're quite right as adults we need to take ownership in terms of how we influence how we um talk but also to help and guide through because it is just an extension of what is normally just in a, a bullion state but in a much bigger bigger platform which is quite wonderful what you're doing is absolutely incredible now I thought let's move on to some fun questions so uh, yeah see where we go with this there's only a, well there's half a dozen so it's only it's a cute hopefully you'll love these um what are you currently listening to either on your phone or however you listen to to music and or yeah, so I actually just started listening to, um, have you heard of John Ronson? I'm not sure. He's, he's, it's actually, okay, I first read his book. It was a really awesome book called So You've Been Publicly Shamed. He oh, basically okay. travels, he, 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 um, he travels the, the world and he meets um, with recipients of massive public shaming events. So, you know, you hear those stories about people that might have written a racist tweet or something and then jumped on a plane traveled overseas 24 hours they hop off the plane um, later and their whole world has come crumbling they've lost their job they're the most hated person in the world and yeah. so he actually explores all these case studies and um yeah it's really really fascinating because public shaming isn't new obviously it's like it used to even be a form of punishment but um, obviously the internet has absolutely amplified it and it's yeah totally fascinating recommend it john ronson so you've Ooh, been publicly yeah. shamed. Oh, okay, I'll get that detail off you and I'll pop it in the show notes. That sounds really fantastic. And in fact, actually, this will just circle me back to something else I wanted to mention earlier. Looking at you online and popped onto your LinkedIn, you do so much extra work and learning outside of Project Rocket, which is really quite fantastic. And I think it's an example of when you do move forward, when you want to start a venture, it's really important to continue that learning, isn't it? To understand what's going on because day to day, particularly with technology and how things and work and young minds as they're coming through, they evolve and there's different things and we've got to make sure we continue to learn. Otherwise you become that older, stuck in the mud, what are you talking about kind of person. And it's really impressive because you've done so much. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next question. How old were you when you first learned to drive and what car did you have? 
Well, I, I guess I'm in Australia, you're 16 years old when you start to learn how to drive. Um, and I, I got my first car, I think I would have got when I was probably 18. I was really, I was definitely one of those 16 year olds who for some reason thought they were like 40. Like I really wanted to be, Like I smoked when I was younger, when I was a teenager, I can't believe it, but I did. And I think I yeah. started smoking because it made me feel older, not cooler, older. Like I wanted to be old. But anyway, I drove this really, really beaten up old BMW and his name was Tony. I called him Tony because he was just like some like old guy from like Cheers or Happy Days or something like that. So I, I do have a thing of like naming inanimate objects. Every, everything has a name as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I think that's good though. It makes it personal and it makes it, you know, part of your, no, I like that. Oh, that's brilliant, Tony. Bless you. What happened to Tony? Um, oh, he died just so many times. Just, I have so many memories of like, it just overheated, just constantly overheated. <laughs> yeah, it was the worst. <laughs> oh, okay. What, what do you do to unwind? Um, I love playing sport. So I play um, a lot of, yeah, but well, I don't anymore. I miss it so much. I play social sport. So there's no training or anything. It's basically you rock up and you just rock up and a minute later you're on the court. So I play basketball and indoor soccer. Oh, are you dying, not going out then? I am. I, and now that it's raining, like my girlfriend and I have been like kicking the footy AFL, Aussie rules. Um, oh, like, okay. Um, like, yeah, like playing soccer and stuff in the park at least. But now that it's just raining, like even just not being able to go outside today. And also, as I said, like being an extrovert in isolation is intense as well. I kind of mm. need to go and burn energy. Otherwise, I just notice myself getting really flat, like yeah. emotionally. So I'm going to have to do something. I also love drinking wine. So that's what I've been doing in isolation, playing sport, working and drinking wine. Honestly, drinking wine. Yeah, I've, I've grown to love that more than I used to love it. And I loved it before. How much is too much? <laughs> exactly. Is two o'clock too early to start? Yeah, you're like, well, it's looking dark outside. It's dark, so... <laughs> you're in London, so isn't it always dark outside? Yeah, pretty much. Do you know what, actually? This is the killer. Yeah. Since we've had social isolation, put my teeth back in. Since we've had social isolation, lots of S's there, it's been raging hot. It's absolutely. Well, we never had. Have... April normally I rains, April showers. Yeah, we no... It normally just chucks it down in April. Yeah. But it's been really what. I mean, I get so grateful. I always try to look at the positive. We've got a garden. So many other folks oh, don't. So at I'm least we've so been so able to go. That. Yeah, yeah. The boys, at least we can take them out. My my eldest is super sport crazy. Rugby, he loves it. Not AFL, rugby. Proper the proper one, yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> rugby union. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. So we're out in the garden loads. I mean, and he really loves it. So, but it has been raining the past few days. But again, just so lucky. But like you, if you can't get out, you do kind of. Oh, it gets and. There's so many memes out at the moment, isn't there? For the introverts are loving this social isolation, but the extroverts for need me, to check in on us. I notice, like my, my most hated feeling in the world, the most, the worst feeling. I know I'm not okay if I ever start to feel apathy. Do you know what I mean? Like, if I ever, if I'm ever like indifferent, I, I could fucking excuse my language. Yeah. I, could, I could argue until the cows come home. Do you know what I mean about something? If I'm really passionate and like, but if I just don't care, that's when I'm like, whoa, okay, you need to actually change your course of action here because um, you're starting to get to a point where you don't care. And I think like that is the challenge I think with ex extroverts when you, when you gauge your, like as an extrovert as well, I love spending time by myself. I'm really yeah. preserved oh, yeah. on my own, need it. But um, yeah, I get my energy and, and from my energy from people. And that also sometimes gives me meaning and purpose. 
So it is, it is an interesting sort of time, but um, yeah, I'm full of gratitude too with what I have um, in this space and just trying to get the most out of it too. Like, yeah, remember that, oh, it's kind of nice. Like we're home buddies, we get to, you know, I've got a nice home, I've got a nice cat, I've got a nice partner. Just try yeah. and like see the good, see the good in it all. It's totally, totally agree with you, definitely. Um, we'll look back actually in a few years and we'll be crying. And wish for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there'll be that. <laughs> But we'll be telling the youngsters, oh, you've got it so lucky. We'll be those old people. You won't believe what we had to do. Stay in the house and drink wine. (laughs) Do you have any tattoos? Yes, I do. I have, um, this is really nerdy. um, The logo of Project Rocket is a paper plane in flight. And I have a paper plane in flight on my back. And I also have just a little tiny little tattoo on my wrist that um oh. four lines like three lines with one strike through it and it's um for my uh, myself and my three best friends so oh. yeah but I definitely want to get some more tattoos I just I just don't know what I want do you have a tattoo yeah I do on my back and like you I've got a it's kind of well, not not like you in terms of what it looks like I want more is what I should have conf- I don't finish my sentences yeah. sometimes I expect everyone else to know <laughs> what too. I'm going to say you should know <laughs> I've got a rose when I was at university my friend did a collage for his girlfriend and I liked the how he drew the rose so I had that put on my back so I would like to make oh, that a bit gorgeous. bigger at some point yeah no I really yeah um and I've also yeah, there's a couple of uh text I'd like to have put on somewhere so I need to yeah but it's yeah, got to be right yeah. you, you've got to it's got to hit you I think and, and then do mm. it um okay cool last two questions I always ask everybody and I love these what's the last image you took on your photo on your phone on your photo stream <laughs> but you don't have to share it if it's a nude um oh do you know what it was my last image is a screenshot of a post and it's this is the this is the meme it says does anyone else look in the fridge for a snack only to find you have no, no snack worthy snacks? So then you lower your snack expectations and eat a single piece of cheese and a random grape. And the reason why I screenshot it is because I'd literally been hanging off the fridge door and I ate a red seedless grape and a piece of tasty cheese. And then I read that post and I was like, oh my God, isolation. We're all the same. Like, oh my God, this is, this is nuts. We are all the same. Do you know, that's it. We are all the same because... Ev- in the nature of what's happening, the memes, everybody is posting exactly the same thing because we're going through thinking exactly the same. That is a really good, I like that. <laughs> Cheese in a grape, brilliant. Actually, ours is quite stopped now. We're like, the whole toilet paper and everything right at the beginning, but now it's it's fine. It's not an issue. People went a bit silly. What's your most used emoji? Uh, ooh, um, oh, I'm going to say... The, um, this is really cheesy, so I'll give you two. Um, <laughs> one, the, the, I, I like the plant one. It's like a little like seedling that's growing. Okay. And I just I like using it when I'm like, yeah, when I'm like nurturing, like, hey guys, I'm gonna, I'm off for the afternoon. It's just little plants and it's like gotcha. something's fertilizing or. Um, and I also just I, I love the cowboy emoji because I think it's just like says where I'm at and I'm like yeehaw at the end of the <laughs> sentence or something. But um, yeah. <laughs> I love that. That's really cute. I'm going to look. I don't know if I've ever used the cowboy one, but I'm going to now. I might, I'll might. i have to send you an email and pop it on the end. 
Okay, right. Finally, this has been such a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for coming on. I always like to close out the show with a bit of advice from the from the guests, whoever I have on, in terms of what you would advise the listener who's listening in, who's looking to seize the day. They want to perhaps start a new venture or change careers, or they're looking to just have impact or make a difference, a bit like your good self. What advice would you give them in order to motivate them to get out and just seize the day you know just go for it a bit like you did when you were younger even though perceptionally you didn't think that you were doing much but it's had such a big ricochet and someone might not think that they're doing a great deal to begin with but it's passionate how do you what advice would you give them just get out and and do it yeah I I I do really love that question I think um sometimes it can be hard to answer in a way only because like there's so much messaging out there on Instagram and this blog about how you can do this and that and this and look I'm gonna just really really strip it back I think um for me as a as a young person at least and I think even just now the first thing is actually um saying it out loud um and I don't just mean to yourself although that's a good start but it's about like actually backing yourself and holding yourself accountable to action and when you tell other people what your plans are or what your idea is um, it can feel really, really uncomfortable, but those people are there to help remind you, um, yeah, of, of what your intentions are. And I think um, from there, I'd say then you need to ask for help because um, what I've learned and what I knew back then, and if you ever see anything different on social media, then it's bull crap, but no one is amazing at everything. Like the day that I realized that I didn't have to be good at everything was a truly liberating day. There are so many people out there that want to help you. And if your idea just stays in your head because you're being self-critical or a perfectionist or because of imposter syndrome, the idea will just stay in your head. Mm. Um, and then the next, I've got like another couple, <laughs> if that's okay. Um, but no, go for it. This is wonderful. That, um, I think, yeah, another really big one for me, and I have to remind myself of this one, I'm, I haven't, I'm not nailing this, but is, is don't apologise. Yeah. Um, I think for me as, as a woman, um, yeah, I think we do a lot of apologizing. I think, um, it, even just, I notice in meetings, you know, sorry, can I just say, or, um, oh, sorry, do you know, I might have a different approach to that. It's just, for me, I feel like that's a familiar sort of, um, yeah. approach for women. And I think, um, yeah, starting a business or starting something requires that confidence and a, moment, and a momentum. So I try and do a different approach. And for me, that is do now. And with great respect and humility, ask for forgiveness later. Um, and if that's not your style, so for, for my sister, she would cringe hearing that, hearing me say do now and apologize later. Um, that, that's not her style, but for her, um, you know, try swapping out thank you for sorry. So instead of saying, sorry, can I just say something? It's like, thank you. Can I just say something, you know? Um, you'd be surprised how like a tiny little action, um, something yeah. so little actually reorients your self image from guilt, I'm sorry, to confidence yeah. thank you um yeah and I think just lastly is just to um yeah just to be to, to 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 really try and be bold um and what I mean by that is to um really not to lose focus by comparing yourself to everyone else around you to compare yourself to where someone's at in their journey of creating a business or whatever it might be because um building a business or creating social change takes time it takes a lot of time first it, it takes the vision to see a better way and Next, you know, you have to take the action to pave that way. But then ultimately, there are so many little bricks in the path that need to be laid before others even identified as the best way forward. And that takes time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think like they would be sort of my, my hot tips. And also, um, which if you're listening to this podcast and you already are doing this, but 
is to um, leverage, leverage the community. What I know now is that the women in business or women in change community is actually really, really strong. Um, now there, there are, you know, funding opportunities, there are networks, you know, accelerators, incubator programs, online forums, podcasts like this, mentoring, whatever it might be. But it's like, yes, yeah, saying it out loud, giving yourself permission to actually put your, put your hat in the ring and do a program because it'll hold you accountable and help you lay those bricks in the path forward. And soon enough, there'll be people following you. I think that's the way to go. I love that. Actually paving, literally. I just saw the physicality and I saw the creativity of laying bricks and then you pipe. And it takes time, to your point. Folk don't necessarily follow straight away because it's new and people are nervous. They don't know quite what that means, what it's going to look like at the end. And it's resilience, it's compassion, it's con- you know commitment, it's knowing what you're doing is well, it's your core belief, isn't it? It's make, doing something that you want to do and therefore you will get to the end. You might have a few hiccups along the way, but it's about carrying on and therefore then people start to follow or get their own ideas and are inspired by what you're doing and think, do you know what, actually? Yeah, the, the thing to remember, just to like build out that analogy a little bit more, is that um, when you when you pave the way, essentially, and people start following, their footprints will firm up that way. So So you're not doing it on your own. You might be paving the way, but... It's unproductive or even like um, egotistical or heroic to think that you're just doing something on your own. You need to be building a path for people to be putting their footprints on it and, you know, solidifying that path. So they need to join you, basically. Like it. Like it a lot. Absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me. For anyone who wants to get a bit more involved or understand more about what you're doing at Project Rocket or even help contribute, where can they find you? Where's best to get in contact with you? We would love like all, all, all of your listeners to, I guess, join the Project Rocket movement. If you believe in a world where kindness and respect should thrive over bullying, hate and prejudice, and all young people are free to realise their potential, then like join us. You can um, find us on all social media platforms. Um, Project Rocket is spelled R-O-C-K-I-T, all one word. You can also head to www.projectrocket.com.au. And on there, you'll find Project Rocket TV. So there's um, two seasons of those free episodes. Um, there's also a whole lot of other information and stuff on there too. But um, yeah, get it, get in touch with me as well. If, if you've got a question or there's a social change movement or action that you want to take and need help with, um, yeah, I'd be happy to hear from you. Wonderful. You're an absolute superstar. And thanks to your sister as well, both of you for doing this together. Incredible. And everybody else that's joining you along the way. Absolutely wonderful. Thank you for spending your afternoon with me. Thanks for superstar. Thank you. And thanks <laughs> everyone for listening. Take care. Look after yourself. Keep well. You have been listening to Seize the Day with Natalie Miller-Snell. All contact information can be found in the show notes, together with any links to websites I may have referred to in the show. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please pop over to seizethedashday.com where you'll find my other shows. And come and talk to me at Twitter or email me on nataliemillersnell at gmail.com. Thank you, thank you, thank you.